At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Father and our God, again, we are so grateful, so glad to be in this worship experience. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for fresh oil. Thank you, God, for the anointing. And we pray now, God, that as your word goes forth, let this word speak to us so personally that we could not leave the same way we came. Oh God, we exalt your name, we glorify your name. And I thank you, God, that you are saving right now, you're healing right now, you are delivering right now, you are lifting, you are strengthening right now. So God, bless your people through your word as only you can. And I pray now, God, again, that you get the glory because you're God by yourself. Let fresh anointing of God be upon our lives. And then God, I ask as always that you'll let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Come on, let's give God a strong hand clap of praise. <clears throat> Again, I greet you with the joy of the Lord and to all of the people who are sharing with us today through our virtual and online worship experience. Thank you for joining with us today and I certainly pray God's choice blessings upon your life. Amen. I want to bless God today that spread across the sanctuary are 52 prayer warriors, prayer intercessors that are part of our prayer ministry and they are praying for me right now as I teach this word and they are praying in various sections across the sanctuary asking God to continue to save and fill these sections with new souls and with new believers in Christ. And it is my prayer that you as believers would get busy sharing Christ with others. And I will be saying a word about that even in the teaching that God is giving us today. Amen. Can you just bless God for what the Lord is doing in this house? <clears throat> I want to continue this series through Colossians. Uh, this teaching is number 15. And then I'm going to do one more, and that will close us out for this particular time in Colossians. Of course, you never exhaust the Word of God, but that will close us out in Colossians for this particular time. And then we'll see what the Lord says after we do number 16. But today is the 15th teaching that we have done in Colossians since we started this series. I want you to look with me today uh, in Colossians chapter four. I wanna read verses two through six. Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. And the word of God reads like this. Continue earnestly in prayer, <clears throat> being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> I have been doing this series of teachings from Colossians under the theme, Jesus is all I need. But I want to put a particular tag on this text today, and I want to 
teach today from the idea, what are you talking about? I need you to get a good attitude right now and look at somebody and tell them, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? As I open this teaching today, I would say to us that one of the expressions and activities that is characteristic of all of our lives is that all of us are always communicating either verbally or non-verbally. All of us are always talking to somebody about something. As a matter of fact, we, we talk so much that there are times that we're even talking to ourselves. We talk about the news, we talk about political issues, we talk about current events, we talk about sports, we talk about movies. We are always talking. I need you I need you to just look at the person beside you for a second and just tell them say I don't mean any harm but but you are always talking yeah as your as your pastor as your pastor I don't I, I don't mean any harm but you are always talking I, I don't mean any harm, but you, you're always talking. Don't, don't mean to offend you, but you are always talking. Oh, I didn't forget those of you in the balcony. You're the main ones. I don't, I don't mean any harm, but you are always talking and consider the fact of how many conversations that we have found ourselves in like at the barber shop or the beauty salon or in some other kind of social setting where the conversation has done nothing to bring any value to our lives or anything that was to strengthen us or bless us in the well-being of our existence. Conversations that were given to speculation and to opinions. Conversations where we discuss what's going on in other people's lives that had no pertinence to our own life. It wasn't going to add one iota to the betterment of our existence. Conversation that was not taking us anywhere. And it wasn't going to take the person talking with us anywhere. Just, just think about how many hours you spent in conversations with people that were not fruitful for your existence. And I don't, I don't know what your conversation or your prayer life with God has been since the pandemic. I don't know what your disposition is or your mindset is now that you're still living on this side of the pandemic. But for myself, I've taken serious consideration that I'm not still here because I was so careful. I'm, I'm not still here because of the fact that I was so socially responsible, but I believe that I'm still here because of the grace of God. And, and so I've, I've said to myself, what's going to be better about your life at this time than it was prior to the pandemic. 
And one of the things I've come to conclusion is I'm going to be more thoughtful about who I allow to be in my space. I'm going to be far more thoughtful about who I engage in, con in conversation with. Because one of the things that I did know before the pandemic is that if you, if you want to know anything about the character of a person or the integrity of a person that you have not known very long, if you will watch how they handle positions, how they handle people, and how they handle power, that will tell you a whole lot about any person that you ever meet. You, you don't have to have an FBI agent to do a personal investigation. I don't care who you meet, if you just watch how that person handles positions, how they handle people, and how they handle power. That'll give you volumes about who you're dealing with. The other thing I would say to you is you ought to, you ought to ask people, what are you reading? Because people who are not reading are dangerous because they can hurt you with an injurious ignorance. And then you ought to ask people what they're reading because even those who are reading, the question is what are they reading? Because all of us live with a particular mindset or a particular disposition. My mindset and my disposition is going to be based upon the principles and the values that govern and guide my life. And the principles and the values that govern and guide my life do not just come to me by osmosis. No, they come to me based on my thinking and is based upon what I believe. But what I think and what I believe is based upon what I keep depositing in my spirit. And so what I read then is critical to who I am. And of course, the primary book that I read and I study is the Bible, the Word of God. I don't just read the Bible, but it becomes the foundation of my life. And then outside of that, I try to give myself to a variety of readings that may deal with economics, it may deal with personal development, it may deal with uh, political issues, it may deal with uh, how I operate with time, and it may deal with business, it may deal with poetry, uh, but I read, and I try to read widely and wisely, because it's serious business about how we live our lives, and since this is not, uh, this is not a dress rehearsal, since we are living our lives right now, we have, beloved, no time to waste. And so you ought to be thoughtful about who you allow in your space. This, this letter to the Colossians is a wonderful book of the Bible. The theme of Colossians has to do with the superiority and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That is to say that Jesus was the expression of the fullness of the deity of God. The Bible says that the fullness of God dwells in him. And because Jesus is the expression of the fullness of the deity of God, and because Jesus now lives in us, then the fullness of Christ is in us, which enables you and I then to walk in the fullness of our salvation.
You don't have to just be an ordinary person. You can be extraordinary. You have not been saved just to be a church person. You have not been saved just to be religious. But you have been saved so that God can express his fullness in your life. You can rise above the flesh and you can live in the spirit. You can move beyond the natural and you can operate in the supernatural. And in this, in this particular pericope of scripture that serves as the basis of our teaching, Paul is speaking to us about our Christian conversation. Just tell somebody, God's talking to you about your conversation. He speaks to us about our Christian conversation. And we are reminded in this text today that as the people of God, as saved persons, that God did not save us just to be saved, but God has saved us to be his ambassadors in the world. God has saved us to be his witness in the world. God has saved us to be a representation or a representative, if you please, of Jesus Christ and as a person who is a representative of Christ there is a holy calling upon our lives and the holy calling that God has placed upon our lives is that each one of us God has saved that we might go out and help save somebody else God expects us to replicate ourselves God wants us as disciples of Christ to reach others and help them to become disciples of Christ. The role of the church is not to come here on Sunday morning and just have a good time, go back home, get on with your other affairs and come back next Sunday. No, as Christians we are called to be Christians 365 days a year 24-7 and God has saved us that we might reach out and help save somebody else. And in this text God is reminding us that I've called you to be in communication with the world. I have called you to have a conversation with the world. I've called you to engage in a conversation with the world. But if you're going to communicate with the world, you must first be in communication with God. You cannot talk to the world if you haven't been talking to God. You cannot speak to the world if you haven't been having a conversation with God because it is only when we have first talked to God it is only when we first engage in a conversation with God that we can communicate with the world because if we are not talking to God we don't have anything to say to the world and so as we move into this revelation, then let's begin with considering our conversation with God. I like the fact that the voices of, of glory, or the vessels of glory, I'm sorry, the vessels of glory sung right before I began to share this word about what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege it is to carry. Not something but everything to God in prayer. Paul is calling us to prayer. Listen to what he says in verses two through four. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul is praying for God to give him an open door that he might continue to share the gospel with others. But while Paul is in prayer to God himself, that God will give him an open door that he might share the gospel. Did you hear what the text said? Paul then calls upon the Christians at Colossae. He calls upon the Colossians to now pray for him. 
He wants them to cover him with intercessory prayer that while he's praying to God, that they would pray to God for him, that God will give him the open door to be able to share the gospel. Paul recognized his dependence upon God and Paul valued having other believers, other prayer warriors, other intercessors covering him in prayer. And if a great apostle like Paul, who's got more letters in the New Testament records than any other writer of the Bible, if Paul thought it necessary and needful to have others to cover him in prayer, what about people like you and I today? Ought not we value others praying for us? Paul, Paul says, I want you to cover me in your prayers. And the praying that Paul is talking about is serious prayer. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. This speaks to us about prayer in terms of the devotion to prayer. And when we think about devotion to prayer, certainly we think about the disciples in the early days after the resurrection. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, met with the disciples, you recall, and he says to them, go tarry in Jerusalem, and after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And you remember, it is in Acts chapter 1 that we told that after Jesus, has ascended back to glory that the disciples gathered in the upper room and what did they do in that upper room they joined together in a sense of spiritual oneness they joined together in prayer that's what they did they gave themselves to prayer as they were waiting on the promise of Jesus to be fulfilled. They gave themselves in prayer as they were waiting for Pentecost to take place. And then after the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches one sermon. 3,000 people joined the church. And we are told in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in prayer, in breaking of bread, and in the apostles' doctrine. They kept giving themselves to the ministry of prayer. You read in Acts chapter 6 that after James and John, or Peter and John rather, after Peter and John had been arrested because of their witness for Christ, that once their captors let them out of prison, that they went back and joined the church in prayer. And the Bible says that they were in prayer so earnestly to God that the Spirit of God came in and shook the place. There was a persistency about their prayer. The kind of praying that Paul is praying about is serious prayer. It's the kind of prayer where you devote yourself to prayer. You stay with it. You don't quit. You don't pray just every now and then. There's some people who do not pray until they find themselves in a crisis. But prayer is not a 9-11 call. Prayer is a gift from God. It's a privilege to pray. And you all not wait, to, wait until you got a problem to call his name. Paul is talking about the kind of prayer where you just keep giving yourself and giving yourself to God. That word vigilant, when he says vigilant, that word vigilant can also be translated as being watchful. Being watchful. It means to pray with a sense of being alert. And the Bible speaks to us about watching and praying. You remember when Nehemiah went back uh, to Jerusalem from Shushan, and he went back to lead the, the people of, of Israel, the Jewish people, in rebuilding the city and rebuilding the walls of the city. And you remember because he was doing a good work that he had some detractors to show up. It was, it was Sambalat and Tobiah Toba and Geshem who showed up, who tried to discourage Nehemiah and the people from doing the work of God and whenever you're serious about God's work you got to anticipate there are going to be some detractors who show up 
But the Bible says that Nehemiah instructed the people, we gonna watch and we gonna pray. We gonna pray and then we gonna have a sword by our side. We gonna watch and we're gonna pray. And then you remember when Jesus Christ, he, he is now getting ready to go to Calvary and he leaves the upper room and he goes down into a garden called Gethsemane. And he didn't go into that garden of Gethsemane by accident. That's where he spent a lot of time. That's why Judas knew where to bring the soldiers to arrest him because they knew where his praying ground was. And he's there in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is praying and he asked the father, can this cup pass away nevertheless not my will but thy will be done and the Bible says he prayed until sweat like drops of blood fell from his brow and he had told the disciples to pray with him but when he got through praying for a minute he came to Peter and the boys and found that they were asleep and Jesus said to Peter he says Simon could you not watch with me for just one hour he says come on you need to watch and pray least through your flesh you be led into temptation the Bible speaks to us about watching and praying God's command to us is pray without ceasing and pray without ceasing means we ought to pray with such consistency that we're always living our lives perpetually in fellowship and holy communion with God. We ought to pray so consistently that praying is like breathing. You do it without thinking about it. We ought to have that kind of consistent prayer life. And the question is, what are we praying for? Paul said, I'm praying that God would open a door, that he give me an open door. I would encourage you, child of God, to do a study about the life of Paul. And when you do a study about the life of Paul, just read his epistles. Read the prayers of Paul in his epistles. And this is what you will find out. You never hear Paul praying a prayer where he's asking God to give him something. All of his prayers had to do with the advancement of the kingdom of God. And in this text, he says, I'm asking God to give me an open door that I can proclaim the gospel. He says to the Colossian Christians, I need you to be intercessor. I need you to pray for me, not for God to give me something personally but that God will enable me to help to advance the kingdom of God. What are you and I praying for? Because if what you spend most of your time praying for is for God to give you some stuff, to give you a raise, to give you a house, to give you a car, to give you some stuff, your prayer is very shallow. Our prayers need to be far beyond asking God for things. Jesus, teach me how to pray. That's what the disciples asked. Lord, we see that there's power in your prayer life. Teach me how to pray. I don't know about you, child of God, but that's what I'm asking God to teach me not only to pray, but teach me how to pray. And Jesus answers that prayer request. You want to know how to pray, Walter? This is how you pray. You say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you ask for daily bread. And then you ask for forgiveness of sins and that you forgive those who trespass against you. And then you ask for deliverance. But you don't ask for bread, you don't ask for forgiveness, you don't ask for deliverance until first you pray for the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Walter, you don't have to worry yourself about house, car, clothes, money. You ain't got to worry about provisions. I know how to give you that without you asking. But if you want to know what to pray for, pray for the kingdom. We, we, need, we need to pray the right kind of prayer. I think our problem is too often our prayers are 
shallow prayers. And I'm asking, I'm asking you as a church to commit with me to the principle of prayer. You go out that hall, you'll see one of our core values and principles is prayer. Because a church that prays will be a strong church. And a church that does not pray will be a weak church. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 141, the psalmist says that our prayers are like incense that goes up to God. In Revelation chapter 5, we are told again that our prayers are like incense that goes up to God. But beloved, if there's no fire on the altar, there'll be no incense that arises to God. Child of God, if there is no fire on the altar, there will be no incense that rises up to God. And so I'm asking you to commit with me to prayer. Join me on Wednesday for noon glory for prayer. Join me on Saturday evening, 4.30 to 5.15 for prayer. I'm asking as many of you the will that you will join me literally here in the sanctuary from 4.30 to 5.15. And then those who are virtually, they can join us virtually at 5 o'clock from 5 to 5.15. I'm not asking you to do me a favor. Because my coming here to pray ain't predicated on whether you show up. The one that I know go meet me is the one who calls me to the altar. And the one who calls me to the altar is the one who created me and the one who redeemed me. And he tells me that when I come to pray, it ain't no sacrifice. When I come to pray, he says, it's your privilege because you need me. And you don't know how much you need me until you find out I'm all you got. We need to give ourselves to prayer. Whatever you pray about, that's what you give yourself to. And whatever you don't pray about, that's what you don't give yourself to. Why is it? that we don't pray because we ain't got God on our mind. Why is it that we don't show up to Bible study because you ain't got God on your mind? Why is it that we don't give God the tithe and the offering, some of us, because you ain't got him on your mind? Why is it that you ain't talking to anybody about Jesus because you ain't got him on your mind? Because whatever you don't pray about, you don't do is what I give myself to prayer that will make me do it because prayer gives me a spiritual consciousness of where I need to be working where God is working. Oh, your grandmama knew it. She said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Somebody help me teach this. She says, I'm, 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 I'm praying and I'm singing with my mind stayed on the Lord. We are not in a position to talk to the world if we haven't been talking to God. Paul, Paul says, I'm praying that God gives me an open door so that I can keep sharing the mystery of Jesus Christ. Paul is in prison when he wrote this letter. And from a prison cell, Paul said, in spite of the fact that I got chains on me, I still want to talk about Jesus. Paul was so committed to the proclamation of the gospel that he says when he writes to the Romans, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When he writes to the church at Corinth, Paul says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Now I'm getting ready to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Somebody shout, tell me, Pastor. In this book, 
called the Bible. In the first century, during the time of the Apostle Paul, listen, child of God, everybody preached. You missed your, shout, your time to shout. The people who were preaching were not people who just had a clerical collar on. The people preaching were not just ordained preachers. Let me help you. Go to the book of Acts. Persecution caused the church to, to spread out, take the gospel to places that they wouldn't have gone. So Philip went to Samaria, a Jew, and preached the gospel to the Samaritans. And he was received by the Samaritans. And not only did Philip preach, but he also laid hands on the sick. And they were healed. And he delivered people from unclean spirits. Philip was just a layman. He wasn't a preacher, he was a layman. But as a layman, he preached the gospel. It was Philip then who came into contact with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch was reading a scripture out of Isaiah, but he didn't understand it. And then Philip helped him to understand what he was reading. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, there's some water. What hinders me to be baptized? Everybody in the first century was a preacher. Look at the person beside you and tell him, you didn't know it, but I'm a preacher. And here I am teaching this word today. I'm depositing this truth into your life. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to leave here and go out and reteach what I'm teaching you. Oh, you ain't getting all this word just to go home and keep this word to yourself. No, you ought to leave here and find as many people as you can and say, let me teach you what my pastor taught me, what God gave him. My God gave it to him. He deposited it in me. And now I'm going to make a deposit in your life. Go out there, woman of God, and teach the word. Proclaim the word. Go out there, man of God, and proclaim the word. And if you ain't got that kind of fire to do so, then get on your knees and say, God, wake me up. Because I'm like Rip Van Winkle. I done went to sleep in the midst of a revolution. God's changing the world and I done fell asleep. Wake me up, Holy Ghost, so I can be about your business. Paul said, I'm praying for an open door. Paul says, I'm praying that I share this mystery with clarity. That's what the text says. Paul says, I want to share this mystery with, with clarity. And when I mount this pulpit Sunday after Sunday, I'm praying, God, let me tell it and let me tell it right. I ain't trying to get up here giving you some, some yang-yang. Because there's a lot of empty pulpits today. Oh, I'm, there are people standing there, but it's still empty. Oh, there's a man standing there. There's a woman standing there with title preacher, but it's still empty. It's empty because they ain't got nothing to say. It's empty because they're giving folk trash. It's empty because they're giving people motivational speeches. It's empty because they're talking about current affairs when they ought to be talking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not coming here to impress you. I'm coming here to empower you. I'm not coming here to make you feel good. I'm coming here to help you live better. We talk about church growth and church development. I know about social media and all the ways we can put out there and market about the church. But child of God, at some point, let's be authentic. 
The growth of our church is not to be predicated on social media. It's to be predicated on each one of us bringing somebody to Christ. And I speak into this house that our church will double this year. I said I speak it into the house. I speak it into the house that our church will double this year. Because the only thing it requires is each one of us to bring one person to Christ. And God help us if you can't bring one in 365 days. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. If your salt has lost its safe, it's good for nothing to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. You don't take a candle, Jesus says, and then set it underneath the table. You set it on the table so it can bring illumination to the house. Our problem is that we are failing to be who God has called us to be. We are more religious than we are Christian. So it's easy to be, become comfortable, just come to church every Sunday and say, I believe that there's a God. When you go home, you have nothing to do with him until next Sunday. Do you really think that's being a Christian? <laughs> what did he eat this morning before he came to church? <laughs> I, I'm not fussing. I didn't write this book. I just teach it. If we're going to reach the world, if we're going to talk to the world, we've got to first talk to God. So now look at the communication with the world. Look at verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Walk in wisdom. What does he mean? He means be thoughtful about how you live, how you carry yourself. Because your conduct can be the vehicle whereby God brings others to him. Do you know that some people have to read you before they read the Bible? So the Bible, Paul speaks of us in one of his letters, he calls us living epistles. Do, do you not know, beloved, that God wants you to be his reference point? That is, God wants others to look at your life. And when they look at your life and they see the favor of God on your life, they see your joy, they see your peace, they see your contentment, they see how blessed you are. And then they come to you and say, listen, I notice that there's something different about you than there is about me. And I want to know what it is. That's how I got saved. That's how I got saved. I was at Lackland Air Force Base in basic training, and I was in the Air Force in basic training, and this young man named Bobby Butler, his life was so different from mine and the other soldiers, because we in there acting crazy. But I kept looking at him, and he was quiet, and, and, and he, was, he, he was content, and, and, and he, I could just see his whole movement was so different from mine until I went to him one day and said, what is it about you? Because it's certainly different than who I am. And he told me. He says, I belong to Jesus. And when he said, I belong to Jesus, I said, I want what he has. And that's what God wants to do. He wants you to walk in wisdom so that other folk look at your life. They'll want what you have. And that becomes your opportunity to talk to them about Christ. So then Paul says, redeeming the time. That phrase, redeeming the time, is a phrase that means buying, like buying, B-U-Y-I-N, buying opportunity. Taking advantage of every opportunity to share Christ with somebody else. And I promise you, I promise you that before night falls today, you'll have an opportunity to witness if you don't pass it up. 
There's not a day that goes by in your life that you don't get a chance to share Jesus with somebody unless you confine yourself to your house. And you still can do it there because you can get on the phone. Redeeming the time. He says, when you share the gospel, do it with grace. Do it with a winsome spirit. Don't take your Bible and beat folk over the head. Don't be obnoxious when you witness. Do it with grace. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Remember, you ain't always been saved. <laughs> Think about how you share it. And he says, let your speech always be seasoned with salt. In other words, you ought to have some content. You ought to have something to say when you talk to people about Jesus. Know the scriptures. That's why Bible study is important because if you're going to have some content, you're going to have to know the word of God. Listen to how Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready to share this good news and give a reason for what you believe. Oh, when we was on Dixon Highway, uh, my Muslim brothers had an eye on me because I've never been, you know, a traditional black Baptist preacher. You know, I've always been trying to make a difference in the lives of others, so they called me the progressive Baptist. So one of the brothers from the nation came, he came to talk to me. And he says, uh, we've been watching you, Pastor, and, and you ain't like these typical preachers. He says, you, you really trying to change some things. I said, yes, that's what God would have us to do. He says, I'm in agreement with you, brother. I said, praise God. He said, well, look, why don't we, said, we can shut down some of these drug houses. I said, yeah, we can do that. He says, and we can help eliminate some violence in the neighborhoods. I said, yeah, we can do that. And he says, and then we can help feed and bring some economic empowerment to the families in our city. I said, yeah, we can do that. He said, and then we can get together. He says, and we can teach our men together. I said, no, we can't do that. <laughs> can't do that, brother. God draw a line. He said, why not? I said, because we are theologically we are, we are diametrically opposed to one another. He said, what you mean? I said, you don't believe in Jesus. He said, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. He said, yes, I do. I said, man, you don't believe in Jesus. I said, let me show you. I said, tell me what you think about Jesus. He said, well, he said he was a great prophet. And he went about doing good. He said, but it's unfortunate because they kill the prophets. He says it would have been good if the men around him would have protected him. But unfortunately, he was assassinated, they killed him, and he died. It was unfortunate that he died. I said, I told you you don't believe in Jesus. I said, because you're talking about it was unfortunate that he died. And I'm saying that it would have been unfortunate if he had not died. I said, I'm glad that he died because he was more than a prophet. He was more than a good teacher. He was God manifested in the flesh and he didn't die no accidental death. He died because he came into the world for no other reason than to lay down his life and because he died, now I got life and I got it more abundantly and beyond that brother, not only did he die, he was buried in another man's tomb but it don't end right there because Sunday morning he got up from the grave with all power in his hands Muhammad died Zoroaster died Plato died Aristotle died Jesus is alive 
you got to be ready to give a reason for your hope, a reason for what you believe in. God has called us, beloved, I'm through. God's called us to communicate with the world. But you can't communicate with the world if you're not communicating with God. You cannot have a conversation with the world if you're not having a conversation with God. You got to talk to God first if you're going to say something to the world. So I want to encourage you to start talking to the world. I want to encourage you to leave this sanctuary and find you somebody and start sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor, if I start talking about God, if I go to the world and start speaking to them about Jesus Christ, what can I tell them? What should I tell them? Well, why don't you tell them that it's God's desire that none would perish but all would be saved? Why don't you tell them that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why don't you tell them that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why don't you tell them I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why don't you tell them that when the enemy comes up against you that God will raise up a standard and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why don't you tell them if you learn to wait on my God that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and they shall not faint. Why don't you tell them that if God be for you who can be against you? And then after you tell them that, tell them your story. Oh, child of God, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if God ain't done nothing for you, then maybe you don't have a story. But I'm talking to somebody that's got a story, somebody who's acquainted with hardship and heartache, somebody that is acquainted with suffering and struggle and sorrow, somebody who knows that sometimes you had to wake up and say good morning and good night to misery and misfortune. I'm talking to somebody who knows what it means to have to cry and have to hug your own heart. If you got a story, why don't you stand up with me right now and help me close this teaching. If you got a story, your testimony is blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, 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 blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. This is my story and this is my song I'm praising my Savior all the day long I know you got a story I know you got a song but this is my story this is my song I'm praising my Savior all the day long what you talking about I'm talking about Jesus the people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.